to the Motivation for Regular People podcast, where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. If this is your first time to listen, I am so glad that you're here. I started this podcast about a month ago as I was finishing my first book. I shared it with a friend who was reading through it and giving me feedback, and he said something that stopped me dead in my tracks. The book that I wrote is about the seven daily habits that I practice to pursue success and personal growth, and this friend said to me, I don't struggle with knowing what to do, I struggle with feeling the motivation to take action. And it was that thought that shaped a lot of what I've been working on lately because I've come to believe that we all have the same amount of motivation. Motivation is not something that some people have more of than others. We all have the same amount. We just use it differently. And so my hope is that by listening to this podcast, you will learn how to get more aware about what motivates you and be able to shift that or redirect that in a way that better works to your advantage. I am so excited for today's episode. Uh, My guest today is someone who I've literally known for her entire life. My sister, Kendall Ross, agreed to come onto the podcast today. Kendall has a very unique story. She went to college to be a history teacher and ended up graduating and deciding to pursue knitting full-time. And in three years, she's developed a following of around 100,000 people on Instagram. And I think it will be very easy for you to listen to Kendall's story and hear about the success that she's experienced and feel like that's not something that's attainable for you. But what I want you to take away from my conversation with Kendall is that everyone has to start somewhere and it's going to feel awkward at first and you may not feel prepared or you may not feel confident in yourself, but you shouldn't let that be something that prevents you from moving forward. Kendall would tell you, and she will say in the episode, that you should start even before you feel ready. That's what she did, and if you follow her on Instagram or if you pay attention to the work that she's doing, you will see just how well that has worked out for her. Before we begin, I do want to spend just a moment telling you about my Midweek Momentum newsletter. If you're anything like me, you start the week off with a lot of excitement. You're energized after the weekend and you're looking forward to what lies ahead, but then as time goes on, you get tired, maybe some things get added to your to-do list that you weren't expecting, and when that happens, it can be hard to finish the week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. If this is something that you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com, that's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com, and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short thought or inspiration, oftentimes based on the podcast guests from the previous week, and my hope is that this little bit of encouragement helps you maintain that discipline and that drive to finish your week with the same amount of intentionality as you had when you started. After you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a 
free instant download of the introduction and first chapter of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll be able to use the information to figure out how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I'm not going to spam you or sell your inspiration. I just want to help you tap into that motivation that you have inside of you in a way that helps you pursue your most important goals. And I think this newsletter will help you do that. So again, you can visit my website at bradyross.com to sign up. And we'll link that in the show notes as well. All right, let's get into my conversation with Kendall. You'll notice that this one has a little bit of a different feel. We did this interview in person, but I think that makes it a little more relaxed and a little more personal than some of what you've heard so far. So I hope you enjoy. So Kendall, you have over 125,000 Instagram followers now. You get DMs from celebrities asking you to do projects for them. You will post a new project on your website and it'll sell within minutes. And my question is, have you gotten used to all of this yet? Honestly, no. I mean, it's a great thing. Obviously, when you set out to do anything, I think the end goal is some sort of success with that. And I feel very successful, but it's also overwhelming at times because I truly am just one person. I don't have a huge team of people who help me. Obviously I have people who help me. My family helps me. I have people who support me and help me get stuff done. But at the end of the day, it is just a business with me. And so it's this weird balancing act of every single day I get emails about opportunities. I get DMs about all these cool things, but then the actual work comes down to, to me and figuring out what I have time to do and what is really worth it in the end for Mm -hmm. me to really spend my time on because you can't do everything that every every opportunity that someone offers you isn't going to be beneficial Mm -hmm. or worth it you may not it may be but you may just not have time for it so Mm -hmm. but it's great obviously I love the attention like I should have started with that it's kind of crazy like you're you're at this point that so many creators hope to get to where you know, you're starting off and you'll basically say yes to anything because you're just trying to get your name out there and you feel like you can't really be picky. Mm -hmm. But you've built up this platform to where you have more opportunities and probably more things that interest you than what you're able to actually commit to doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, I'm sure you feel this way, too, but it's a very powerful feeling to be able to say to say no to things, because like, for example, for me, people ask me all the time to do custom work for them and i in the past definitely would say like yes i will take any income i will do any project just i will give you a number and we'll work that out but i really hated doing custom pieces for people because most of the time people have really really bad ideas but you want the money so you take on the, the project and you say oh i'll do that and now i can say no to that so every piece i make is something that i want to make and i think that that's an example of like a way that I love to say no. Um, yeah, I don't know if that, I don't remember the initial question, I'll be <laughs> honest. No, that's good. Do you? What was the initial question? What was the initial question? See, even you don't know. I just started talking. I, said, I was I just so captivated by what you were saying. I was like, what are the reasons to say, but I'll say. It was something about. So I think I asked you about, well, I didn't really ask a question so much as I made the observation that most people start out and yeah. they have, you know, 
they don't feel like they have any room to say no because they're just trying to get opportunities under yeah. the belt. But you've reached this point where you have so many requests that you get to be a little more picky and picky. specific about what you choose to do. Yeah, which I think makes people want what I do even more. So it's a cycle of people want what they can't have. And if I'm only making one piece every couple weeks and I won't do a custom piece for you, the only way that you can access my work or whatever is to buy that one piece. And so I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think the exclusivity makes things more valuable too. So well, it's a cool, whole cycle. You know, yeah. Being an artist, you get to express yourself through your art and you get to choose how you want yourself to be portrayed and what you create rather than having to like, you know, in a broad spectrum, take what you enjoy doing, which is knitting, but then apply that to whatever form or fashion people are asking you to to make something in. Yeah, like I don't have to cater to anyone. There's not like, oh, I have so-and-so. I mean, to some extent, obviously, I mean, you know, I, I've done stuff with larger brands. Like I just did that thing with La Cologne, the coffee company, where I made a sweater for them to give away for Women's History Month. And that was a situation where obviously I'm working with a brand, so I don't, I can't make anything for the piece I'm making for them. Like I can't make a giant sweater that says like, you know, Kendall Ross is the best person at like just things like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even working with them, they basically said, make what you want within this realm. And so there's still even power in that of someone saying like, I trust you enough to do what you want to do, even though it's within like these colors or this theme or whatever. Um, I was yeah. going to say something else. No, I like what, what, was, what was the question? Oh, we talk about this all the time because you work for yourself too. Like there's also, like as an artist, I think a lot of artists or people, creatives are technically self-employed, but a lot of the time you still do have to cater to like larger, if you're working for a corporation or you're working for an individual. And so even though you don't technically have a boss, you have kind of an overarching boss mm, and I feel the like client is your boss. yeah that's the right word but I I feel like I don't even necessarily have that which I think has given me more more power and more leverage mm -hmm. within reason I mean I can't it's not like I could make I don't know like a, a sock and sell it for ten thousand dollars but like within reason mm -hmm. there's like I have a lot of power well, like, mind. yeah, and I think you've reached this point where <laughs> the value is not just in what you create, but it's in the fact that you created it. Like originally, yeah. you know, you would knit something and it would be worth a certain dollar amount because it was custom made, you know, you use a certain degree of yarn, but then now it's valuable, not just because of what it is, but because of the backstory that comes from it. And it's yeah. made by, you know, Kendall Ross, if I'd knit that. I know. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. But it's cool. I mean, that's where you... That's where you want to be, ultimately. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not like I think I've peaked or anything, but I think I think everyone has the goal of success, right? Like, I want to be successful. And that's kind of unattainable in some ways, because the more successful air quotes you get, the more you realize that there's more things that you want to do and you have more potential, more ideas. And so at some point, you have to kind of accept the level of success that you're at and be like, you know, there are more things that I could be doing. I could be doing so-and-so like this project or I see my peers doing this, but am I content with the level of success that I have now where I get to make what I want to make, say who I want to make it for, and I don't answer to anyone. Mm -hmm. So you, at some point you have to be content, but also 
be the kind of person who's so so motivated and so like like hungry for more but also content Mm -hmm. so there's also that balance of of how do you not just every day be like this is this is exhausting i want more than this but Mm -hmm. also not settling does that make sense it does and there's you know several things that i want to unpack there and i want to eventually work into you know your story of how you got where you are but i think one observation that i want to make based on what you just said you know you talk about it's almost like the target is moving. You know, maybe you think, well, once I get a hundred thousand Instagram followers, then I'll be satisfied. And then that happens. And so the target moves a little further down the road. Uh And I actually had a conversation earlier today with someone who was sharing about a few things they're interested in. And they made a comment, like, I don't know if I would be satisfied with either of those. And the question that popped into my mind was, how much control do you have over your own satisfaction? Mm -hmm. And so I would even, you know, you don't have to answer that question necessarily, but yeah, as you continue to find success and develop more opportunities, to what degree do you find yourself having to sort of realign or reimagine, you know, your own definition of success? And see, that's the thing. Like you, I think you constantly are changing what your concept of what success means to you. And I know you feel that way because when you were my age, when you were 23, would you have thought that where you are now at 29, I know you feel successful, you are successful, but would that have been your idea of success when you were 23? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. That's what I'm saying. So I think it's something that just changed. Sorry, I thought Mary brought in a notebook to take notes. <laughs> I thought Mary was so inspired by what we were saying that she had fully got a pen and paper <laughs> to write it down. So we've got an audio only show, but just to peel the curtain back, Kendall and I are sitting at my kitchen table right now. Mary, my wife, is also at the table. She's welcome to chime in. She probably won't, but <laughs> if you hear a third voice, you'll know who it is. I literally thought she was just like so motivated. She's like, this is so insightful. I've got to write all this down. You'll be able to listen to the recording. Don't yeah, worry. It'll it'll be there. That's so I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Something about success. Yeah, the definition of success and yeah. how do you have to change that or yeah. you know reimagine that as time goes on. Yeah, and I think that's that's healthy. It's weird because you think of like I watch so much TV, right? And a lot of it is reality TV, and you see people who like Survivor, for example, people have spent their whole lives dreaming of playing Survivor and then they get on and they lose and they're devastated and then they win or they win and they're devastated too because then their dream is gone. Like you have this one thing that you've been working for for so long and Survivor is kind of a silly example, but there's almost no way to be happy if you think your entire life is going to be determined by one turning point or one moment, whether it's winning Survivor or getting married or having a piece in whatever show or gallery so success kind of has to just mean like what what you want it to mean at any time and I think if it doesn't change then it is you're going to be unhappy Mm -hmm. right yeah and I think that it's even more internal than external you know a lot of us when we first get started working on a project or working towards a goal we're motivated by something external whether it's money or attention or power like whatever it might be but then as you get further in life and as you do start to accomplish things you realize that your internal values and maybe even your internal development is more worthwhile than anything external and it's cool to think about those things because those are things that can't be taken away from you exactly you know even if you were to lose your business you know like 
if you woke up tomorrow and for whatever reason you couldn't knit anymore, yeah. but you had been working towards something Literally. internal, then that's, that's something that you always have. And it's hard to perceive, which I think makes this maybe a more like abstract or nebulous concept for people, yeah. but, you know, to bring this back to the topic of motivation. And I've talked about this on the show before, but I think those are the things that are truly motivating. You have to connect it with something inside of you, whether it's, you know, a value or purpose or, personal development like whatever that might be yeah so because I mean I think all the time like when like our family was talking about going roller skating last week right and we your kid got sick so we didn't go yeah not that, sorry not that you Nora's behalf. sorry yeah. uh not she's not goal. awake so we can talk bad about yeah. it no, time to time to talk trash on your two-year-old yeah. but no like I was thinking but even before we went roller skating like what if I break my hands when we roller skate like I fall down and then I can't work for a month or something like what am I gonna do with all that time or what how am I going to make money and so that's that's what I think about too when it comes to things you can't control on the outside versus the inside like I could get in a car accident tomorrow and break my hands or like shoulder or something and then I need to have something outside of of working that still motivates me more than more than I don't know more than money more than knitting Mm -hmm. or Instagram could go down tomorrow and Mm -hmm. like could lose that could lose my entire audience I don't, again, I don't remember what the question was. I know, you're getting distracted by the dogs I know. on the door. Edit that part out. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll figure it the out. Silly, the silly moment. Um, so I want to take a step back uh, because one of the things that I love to talk about on this podcast is people's stories of how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that we all have this point in our journey where something changes. You know, we haven't always been the highly driven, highly motivated people we we're today. Well, yeah, we went to Thanks, mom and dad, for our jeans. Sorry, Keaton. Sorry, Keaton. Hey, Keaton's got it too. Yeah, in different ways. We should have had Keaton on this podcast too. <laughs> yeah. All the siblings, fun. yeah. Um, but yeah, just talk about, you know, what idea, what what got this started for you and how did it become what it is today? Well, I mean, you you know, I've been basically knitting my entire life. I no one I mean, I remember before you could walk or talk, you were walk, on the ground with knitting needles. Just knitting like, needles. Yeah. Just, just craziest messing thing. around. No. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I really have been knitting forever. But I mean, it's not, that's not a career. I mean, you can't, no one tells you knitting is, can be a career. And also no one really calls knitting art. So I couldn't have been in high school being like, I want to go to art school for textiles or whatever. Because no one no one calls knitting art. It's just this little thing, craft hobby that I had. And so I went to school, went to Pepperdine, um, ended up getting my history degree, American history. I thought, I mean, you know, all this already. It Mm -hmm. feels obvious. I know people listening don't, but thought I was going to teach for the longest time. And then COVID hit my junior year of college. So I moved back home, um, which interrupted my student teaching, obviously, because I was supposed to be student teaching in person in LA, basically. And then I had to um, teach middle schoolers from my Oklahoma City apartment um, on Zoom, (laughs) (laughs) which was horrifying. And they all hated it so much. And I also hated it. And I think that was, that was a point for me where I was like, I don't think I have what it takes to be a teacher. I think I kind of knew even before, even before that, because when you see people who want to be teachers, they 
really, really want to be teachers. At least the people that I was around at Pepperdine, they were so motivated by the students. They were so motivated by, by like this goal of teaching, by being an educator. And I think I wanted to feel that and I just never truly did. The people around me felt very genuine about it. And I was thinking like, this will be a good thing for me to do with my history degree. But I don't think I have the right spirit or energy or whatever to be a middle school or a high school teacher. And so moved back home with COVID, obviously have always been knitting. I had started my Instagram page. I knit that when I was abroad my sophomore year in Shanghai in China, partially because I thought of the name and I thought someone would would take it before I could claim it. And so I said, I need to get on that. Someone's going to take it. Yeah, I literally, I think I, April, April, 2019, I had claimed it and I didn't post until like September, 2019, but I had just been delusional enough to believe that someone would take i.net.that from me. And so throughout COVID started making a lot more things, had a lot more time to make things obviously, because like everything else had been, not taken from me some so like like I was the only one who experienced that I mean you were in college and I just yeah and so senior year I lived in an apartment with my friends in Oklahoma City and they were obviously very motivating to me just very much like Kendall you're so good at this you can do this and gained a little bit of a following and so by the point I graduated college I hadn't finished my student teaching uh, I had applied and gotten into a couple of grad schools for history, but I ultimately just kind of made the decision to to knit full time, which I don't, looking back on it, I don't know how any of you guys kind of let me do that without questioning it. Everyone, y'all were so supportive. You were like, I guess maybe that's just my personality. Y'all were like, I'm not going to cross Kendall. I think honestly, that's our family's DNA. You know, yeah. I feel that I see that, you know, probably a lot more in mom than dad, but just this sort of. And, and I think it's a strength, you know, it's empowering. It's, and I even hear some of that, you know, you talk about your friends motivating you. Like, I think sometimes when we have a talent, when we have a gift, we need other people to see that in us and draw that out, Absolutely. draw that out to get us to that point where we can start to believe it ourselves. Because you can only validate yourself so much, especially being realistic about it. I could think I'm the most talented person in the world and have the whole, you know, starving artist mentality. But at the end of the day, if people don't like it, like I couldn't have actually done it professionally. Mm-hmm. So So one thing I want to know though is thank you. Y'all really did. I mean, I literally turned down, I think I, I had gotten into OU and I think Sarah Lawrence for school and y'all were like, I don't I don't think we're that's you need to stay here and just knit. And I said, Y'all are right. <laughs> it's but I mean And look what it turned into. But I mean thinking even now, can that was what, two years ago? Things have things have drastically changed since even two, two years of doing this full time. So Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been good. So the right choice. One thing I want to know, when did you make that mental shift from that place you were before, which is like, you know, this, you know, it's only kind of art. It's not a career. Like I can't do this full time to no, I feel the confidence to, you know, turn down these offers to go to grad school and make this my full time job. I think part of the confidence in that came from, I was partially doing it throughout my senior year of college. Like that's how I was making, I wasn't working as I was finishing up school. I was part-time in school and basically knitting. So I had almost dipped my toe in before I even graduated. So it was partially that. And I think part of it was, this is what I would always have wanted to do if I had known it was an option. And so I made it an option for myself. And then I was away from school. And I think that 
allowed me to give myself the freedom to not feel like I needed to get approval from my professors because I'm almost a teacher's pet in a lot of ways. Like in college, I loved my professors, my education professors and my history professors. And I almost felt like when I graduated, I needed to have a good a good thing to tell them I was going to do after I graduated. So either I'm going to grad school or I'm going to finish my credentials so that they would be proud of me. The hardest part of doing this full time, it's been a good couple of years, but that when I graduated in 2021 and I had to tell every one of my professors that I was going to knit post-grad and they all just kind of looked at me like, okay, cool. But I think they get it now. They invited me back, the the history people to do like an alumni Q&A panel oh, nice. six weeks ago. And all of the other, every single other person they invited was like, I went to Stanford, whatever, got my PhD. I went to Harvard, got my education. And I said, I, I'm an influencer. I'm, <laughs> I'm more famous than all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But it all, it's, it's allowing yourself to do what you want outside of the judgment of what will other people think about this. Even mm-hmm. though now what I'm doing is really cool. And I have whatever a hundred thousand and I'm, you know, getting DMs from Brie Larson or whatever. When I first graduated, it was like, is Kendall going to do her weird little Etsy stuff? And, you know, just very, very condescending. Mm-hmm. Not that any, no one was verbally condescending to me. Or, right. It just was a mentality I had of I'm letting people down by doing what I want. Yeah. And you feel a little bit vulnerable in that position because there is risk. You know, hindsight yeah. is great. If you had the hindsight, you know, then that you do now, then it would have been a lot easier. But yeah, I also I- feel like there was probably some sort of internal growth or development that happened as you had to, you know, take on a little bit of risk and put yourself out there in a way that was probably uncomfortable or at least unsettling. Yeah. I think I've, I've always been, I think I've always been a bold person. I mean, I moved, I went to Pepperdine, I moved to California, I went to school there for basically a month. I mean, I was in California for a month with, you know, being abroad and getting sent home, but yeah, I mean, I don't really think of myself as a like a risk taker, but then I kind of like in the moment, like everyday life, like you've seen me drive. I hate driving. I'm not, I'm a horse. <laughs> have I seen you drive actually? Make, How many times have I been in the car and you've been driving? Horrible drive. Like that kind of risk taker. I don't see myself as the person like, let's go climb a rock or something. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, like life moves, I am the person who's like, I am, will take a risk here. Mm-hmm. And if it, it usually pays off. Well, and you're comfortable in your own skin, like you're content, you know, again, so I'm the oldest in our family, you're the youngest, we have an awesome middle brother named Keaton, who's hopefully listening to this. I know Uh, he's not. (laughs) He'll listen to this one. Yeah, he will. Um, But, you know, Keaton and I kind of had a similar trajectory coming out of high school, like we both went to Oklahoma Christian, we both stayed in town, and you said, no, I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to go halfway across the country. Yeah. And then we both graduated, we took, you know, quote unquote, normal jobs, like jobs with a consistent income or salary and you said no I'm gonna blaze my own trail and I'm gonna you know create this platform yeah and so yeah you're comfortable kind of you know going by the beat of a different drum yeah and it helps it helps that I have like such a good family it sounds like is it it almost like like it's I don't want it to be like I pulled up my own bootstraps I did this but I'm like literally no like mom helps me every day y'all help me every day mm-hmm. it's not the kind of thing I think I could have done Oh, yeah. If I wasn't living, first of all, if I wasn't living in Oklahoma City with all of you, and mm-hmm. if, like if I was estranged from y'all, what would I, what would I do? I, Literally. Yeah, you can't go anywhere. What would we do? I know, who would watch my dog? 
<laughs> but I think it's important to recognize, and I know we've talked about this book off air, um, How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur. You we know. have not talked about that have book. Have we not? Oh, you need to read this book. You would love it. I'm not going to read it. Well, it's a good book. Um, I'm going to edit your part out for sure. Um, I love you. So Michael Schur, you know, helped write The Office, co-created Parks and Rec, and he writes this book on... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mary's distracting me again. Um, so he writes this book on ethics, and at the end, you did tell me about this. I told you, talking yeah. like I'm crazy. Well, I didn't. I don't. I don't keep like a <laughs> like a library log, not the Dewey well, Decimal start. System. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> he. I think it's the last chapter of this book, and he talks about how all of these different, you know, minuscule things had to go right in order for him to end up in this position where he is writing on the office where he's writing on parks and rec yeah and a lot of those things had to do with other people and so I think it's you know it's not a shortcut like it's something that we all experience yeah. you know, we get to where we are thanks in part to the influence that other people have on our lives yeah you know, I go on a lot of podcasts as a guest and one of the big parts of my story is you know, everything kind of changed for me. And when I started transforming myself physically, mm -hmm. so I used to be in really bad shape and there was never like this rock bottom moment where I realized, you know, I've got to start taking care of myself or else my life's going to go down the drain. Yeah. I just started college and I had a couple of friends that I was living nearby that were going to the gym and I thought, well, if they're going, I should go with them. And then once I started doing that, everything sort of got on a different path for me. Not everything is like this huge moment, like a, like a movie moment of a turning point. Sometimes things just happen and you're like, oh, I'm so glad that happened. Or I, for me, at least, I feel like, and I'm sure you're like this too, you're able to kind of look back on your life and form almost like a coherent narrative out of that. So mm -hmm. you can see like, oh, well, this led me here and here and here. And that's, I mean, some things happen randomly but I think it's it's always a good thing when you can see the ways that like your life is leading into mm -hmm. where you are now yeah because obviously I wouldn't be here if COVID had never happened and obviously that, it was horrible for so many people but I think for I mean for you too it was just like a turning point in a lot of people's lives of mm -hmm. having to to change things up well and it's cool to think about like you know, having that sort of mindset as we go into the future and you approach each day with a little more intentionality, you know, mm -hmm. maybe everything's not random. Maybe things are happening for a reason and leading us down a certain path or a certain trail. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say you can write your entire story in one day. Like you didn't start, I admit that in April, 2019, and then woke up the next day and had the platform that you did today. But, yeah. you know, you made these decisions one after another to the best of your abilities. And then over time, they strung into something that is bigger than I'm sure you could have imagined starting off. Still getting bigger. Still getting bigger. Huge. Well, and that's one of the questions I wanted to ask. Um, and this is kind of just a fun, curious question. Yeah. But five years from now, what do you see your platform looking like? I believe in five years, I will be on The Bachelor. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But if you're on it, who's Mary going to watch it with? <laughs> I'll, I'll be back in time to watch it. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm five years. It's hard to even know. Because even the last year, everything has changed. So hopefully, hopefully something good. Mary and I want to write a children's book. Hopefully that'll happen. I don't even know. It's that thing like I was saying in the beginning. I get offers every day and they're... Like I got one a couple um, like last week, I guess, planning, trying to plan something for January 2025. Oh, wow. And I, I just couldn't even imagine committing to something that far in advance. 
So I can't even imagine five years from now. How old will I be? 28? Still so young. Y'all will be we'll 35. Be in our 30s. Yeah, we'll be over the hill. You'll be 30. No, we don't have to get into specifics. We'll be 30 this year. Yeah, I'll be 24. This That still feels old to me. But... That is crazy. A big part of this show is looking at people's lives through the lens of incremental improvement. And it's the sort of philosophy, like you're not going to climb the entire mountain in one day, but you can always take the next step. And so as you think about, you know, where you started, where you are now and everything that happened in between, what advice would you give someone who has a passion and wants to create something and share their art with the world? And they're just struggling with that motivation to start or continue. What would you tell them? Start? I don't know. That sounds so annoying, but I think even if you're not doing something to the level that mentally you believe that you could be doing it at, just doing anything is better than nothing. And I feel that pretty much every single day, because I mean, I know you probably feel this way too. There are days you wake up and you do not want to do a single thing. Or for me, it's, I will have a day where I feel very uninspired, but this is my job. So I need to work or I need to do something. And I think finding the middle ground of allowing yourself space and not being too hard on yourself for not being perfect, for not exactly sticking to your hours, but also holding yourself accountable to some days you will not feel inspired. You will not need to work and you still need to show up and start things and do them. You just have to find that balance of, of, you know, giving yourself grace, but also not, not giving yourself too much grace where you, you never accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. Did that answer the question? I think so. I'm in my mind picturing this spectrum and on one end you have just blind grit and hustle. And it's like, I'm always going to work hard, you know, wear myself out completely. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have someone who says, I'm only going to take action when it feels 100% right. Yeah. But here's the truth. It's never going to feel 100% right. Literally. Our brains are so good at coming up with excuses or reasons why we shouldn't do something. Or maybe you feel like you're going to put something off until it feels perfect. But yeah, things never are. You know, even the work that you do, I'm sure you finish projects or you put together, you know, a display or an exhibit and you think about something you wish you would have done differently or would have done better. But yeah. I think, and I imagine somewhere out there, you know, someone's got a bingo card for my podcast and there's a square that says he mentions John Acuff and we're going to go ahead and do that here. Who's John Acuff? Oh my gosh. We have so much to talk about. Um, so I love John Acuff. And one thing that John Acuff always says is that perfect is the enemy of done. And so it's this idea that it's not going to be perfect. We shouldn't expect it to be perfect. We should do it anyways. Put it out there. And yeah. Well, anything else you want to say about motivation, about art, about what it's like to be a Ross? You know who's so motivated is our mom. Have you ever met anyone more motivated in every single thing she's ever done? Yeah, you know, I... I often share about mom from the perspective of, you know, she is someone who lives her life entirely for others, despite the obstacles that she faces. And it's just so inspiring to me. Like if there was a picture of someone with just a massive servant heart, like right now she's picking up my four-year-old from school. But even um, in just like, like if you ask mom, what's something we've like, we've been like, mom, we like, we like so-and-so now. That woman has never half-assed anything. Never. You tell her you like cashmere, and then every we day you get a new photo of a cashmere thing that she's seen. 
and we all own a few items that yeah. she's purchased. Yeah. I texted in our family group text today about um, hopefully some momentum for the podcast, you know, maybe getting a sponsor or something. And she texted me individually right as I sent that message and said, it's so ironic that you just sent that. I'm listening to the last episode of your podcast right now. See, do you have any other questions? Mary, do you have any questions? When can we be done? My last question, and it's the same for you as it is for anyone, but just where can people find out more about you? Um, where can't you find out about me? <laughs> the Bachelor in five years. Yeah, The Bachelor, the ABC.com. Um, <laughs> I guess my website is idnitthatco at gmail.com. My Instagram is at id.knit.bot. Um, I won't respond to stupid questions, DM me, <laughs> but it's the truth. I don't know. That's where you can find me. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So people can go follow you if they're not already. But I won't answer stupid questions. You'll put that we'll in. We'll make sure that's yeah. in there too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kendall, this was fun. Thanks for agreeing to do this. I guess we can sit and finish our coffee now. Yes. Thank you for letting me come into your home four hours every week to watch reality show with Mary. <laughs> Let's be real. It's way more than three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for sticking with us through this entire interview. I know that this was a longer episode than what I've shared so far, but I think that it is well worth your time to listen to Kendall's story and hear the wisdom and the insight that she has to share. And one thing that I want to highlight before we wrap this episode up is this idea that the people around us often see our potential before we do. And so I think about Kendall back in 2019 and 2020 when she's considering knitting as a career, as a profession, but she has these limiting beliefs coming into play. And what made the difference for her, as she shares during the episode, is having friends and family members. And I'm not trying to take more credit than I should here because we have a very supportive family and it wasn't just me, but the people around her saying, no, you can do this, you are talented. And I imagine that there's probably people listening who hear a similar message from the people in their life. And it can be very hard to brush that off, whether that's false modesty or maybe some insecurities that we have. But when someone gives you a compliment or a piece of encouragement,
don't just brush that aside. Listen to what that person has to say and let that be the fuel that keeps you going, keeps you moving forward, builds that confidence inside of you that maybe you do have what it takes to do something special and make a unique contribution to the world like Kendall has. Well, anyways, that's all the time that we have for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Please subscribe, rate, review the show. Help us get this content to as many people as possible because we truly are passionate about helping each person unlock the motivation that they already have inside of them. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.